of uh, sharing God's Word with you. There's no uh, higher calling than to do it. And I actually uh, feel especially complimented this morning that the children are staying with us. Uh, this, is the, this is the real joy of uh, pastoring. Years ago, I was full-time pastor of a church, and so many times the adults would say, that children's sermon, that really spoke to me. I kind of missed the message, but this children's sermon, that spoke. So uh, we all, the inner child needs to be ministered to. And I pray that for all of us, uh, the child, the inner child. Um, when, uh, uh, briefly, uh, for those that uh, know Vicki, uh, she sends her greeting. She's uh, overcoming uh, the, the worst cold and a, perhaps a touch of pneumonia. And, uh, but feeling a little better this morning. But uh, if you think of her, uh, please uh, pray for complete and speedy recovery. Um, when uh, Pastor Dick asked me to, to share some ideas on, on sensitivity to the Spirit, uh, there's so much in the Scripture, but, but I think there's a really loaded passage called Romans 8 that uh, uh, Julian uh, uh, read so beautifully from the New Living Translation. And, and uh, this is, in a way, hard to read. I remember years ago, I was on a mission to... Uh, memorize the New Testament. And when I got to Romans 8, it was a little harder because it's nuanced. It's layered. It's a little complex. And uh, so this gave me an opportunity to go back to that text and and dig around some more and to uh, uh, share with you about this enhanced sensitivity and engagement with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Biblical teachings about sensitivity to God's Spirit in our engagement and obedience to the Spirit, seem complicated and multi-layered. There's a good reason for that. They are complicated and multi-layered. And I think especially from our modern point of view. Uh, the important complication, one important complication, is that the Spirit constantly works on what we tend to uh, think of as three levels. Uh, physical, uh, relational, and supernatural. Now, I think that there, there have been people in the past that, that it was one package. And I believe that when the Bible talks about body, soul, and spirit, it's not a justification to chop these up. It's not an anatomy course on the human personality, but rather to remind us that we function on all three levels the unified human person that God created, you know, taking that shaped hunk of dirt and breathing in his spirit there in uh, Genesis chapter 2. That is still a whole human being. We're not uh, parts that can easily just fly off into space or uh, be separated. That we, our soul, depends on our being body, that we are spirit. Is, is radically integrated with our being soul. And, and our, our body functions as human body, different from any animal, because we have the spirit, the, the radical change, the most dramatic change from all of God's creation uh, was when he uh, breathed his own spirit into us. We are citizens of earth and citizens of heaven. We are his children 
no other creation of God is called his child. You are the daughters of God. You are the sons of God. But nevertheless, we tend to divide these out. And so it's good. It's really uh, uplifting and enlightening that when uh, Paul writes uh, Romans 8, he gives attention to these three areas one at a time and then goes back over it one at a time. Now, it's one tapestry, and it's easy maybe to just keep reading, but I think if we slow down a little, uh, uh, we can appreciate especially the way uh, the text uh, speaks to us as, as bodies, speaks to us as souls, speaks to us as spirits, speaks to the physical, the relational, and the supernatural. However, uh, when people talk about the Spirit of God, uh, they tend to focus on just one area. Uh, and I've uh, asked some people uh, recently, and, and the focus is almost on, on the, always on the supernatural. And, and therefore, if that's what we narrowed the Holy Spirit down to, then we're missing what he's doing in our bodies. We're missing what he's doing in our relationships, or what he would like to do in our relationships. Um, and, and doubtless that was a focus with the uh, uh, Wanda's uh, teaching uh, yesterday. I wasn't here, but the uh, uh, focus on relationship building of various sorts and how the Holy Spirit transforms that, and certainly the, the men's uh, uh, group in April. Um, now, we, if we focus on just one, we're going to be talking past each other. And at the same time, we're going to miss much of what the Holy Spirit is doing, desires to do uh, going forward. So uh, right from the beginning, uh, the Spirit has worked on all these three levels. All of them very clear in Genesis chapter 1. In, you know, chapter 1, second verse, the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth, over the waters of the earth. And, And the terminology in Hebrew is like a hen warming the eggs. It's a very dramatic, a physical relationship of the Spirit uh, to the earth. And by the way, he still fills all of creation. He's still present wherever we are. And, uh, and I find uh, sometimes the best way to disconnect with the stresses and, and uh, reopen my awareness to the Spirit is take a walk in the woods. And, you know, what other church has a campus like this? Uh, come to church and take a walk in the woods or uh, sit under a tree, hug a tree. You are uh, closer to the Spirit. Of course, always with the Spirit, but you're more open to the Spirit's guidance. How many tree huggers in the congregation? Thank you. Thank you. Um, also, you know, throughout the tapestry of the Bible, there all three levels of the Spirit's workspace are frequently referenced and taught. We're not going to cover the whole Bible this morning, but uh, just to uh, reference back, I think, let me go back a couple of slides. The, so the physical uh, relationship of the Spirit is found there in Genesis 1, verse 2. And also, uh, the first time anyone is referred to as filled with the Holy Spirit is a man by the name of uh, Belal, 
who was gifted to, to make the instruments of uh, worship for the tabernacle uh, there in Exodus uh, 30. And that's the first time anyone is referred to as filled with the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? But it's a physical gift that he has to craft um, artistic uh, inspirations for uh, uh, holy worship of God. The relational, you know, God says, you know, let's uh, make man in our image, make man and woman, uh, make humanity in our image, and and uh, told them to be fruitful and multiply and, and uh, be good stewards of all the earth. Uh, so these are relational issues. Uh, and uh, curiously, the last time the phrase filled with the Spirit is used is in Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, you know, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, singing to one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. So it's the relational part that is the last reference in the Bible to being filled with the Spirit. All right? So... Uh, are you catching that the point that it's not just the supernatural? It's in our the way we can sing. It's the way we can do craft work. Uh, uh, even some of us uh, without so many uh, craft gifts can, can recognize the Spirit's relationship to us as we're equipped to do well. And then in uh, the supernatural, surely uh, God uh, pouring His Spirit into us, into us when we were just uh, uh, shaped dirt, and, um, and the, the Lord saying, let us make humanity uh, you know, in our image, in our likeness. And the word us is uh, curious. I, I'll never forget, because we, we, whenever we, as a family, read the Bible, it's the youngest person when the children are there, or grandchildren, it's the youngest one that can read that does the reading. You know, I, I grew up in a situation where the oldest was supposed to always read, but but I think that children love to read the Bible, have a, a readable translation. Uh, the uh, New International Reader's Version can be read by a first grader. Uh, so let's empower our young people to, to read the scriptures for the whole family. But our daughter was reading you know, many years ago as a young child, and she got to this that where the Lord says, let us. She says, wow, this needs some editing. Uh, <laughs> What an opportunity to uh, introduce who the Holy Spirit is and uh, the Trinity, because uh, it still says, let us. So at any rate, uh, the Spirit there uh, doing miracle work, uh, creating us. Uh, one of the failings of world religions is, is that they take just a tiny sliver of, of any one of these and make that their whole religion, just a tiny sliver and then negate or deny uh, the rest. And we could have a, a workshop on uh, this uh, another day, but if you take any religion, there's a focus on either just the physical, natural, or the human, relational, or on the supernatural, to the denial of the others. Taoism, for example. If you're familiar with Taoist landscapes, uh, Chinese landscapes, uh, influenced usually by Taoist uh, background. Very different from the Hudson River School landscape. Hudson River School landscape, always a sense of God's power above. Always at least one human being in every landscape. 
in Taoist landscape, no idea of power above us, and never a human being in the landscape, because the world is much nicer, much better without people. <laughs> now, you may have had that thought, <laughs> but, uh, but, but that's how Taoists feel. We have to conform to the natural. The natural is the, is the standard, um, and, and to suppress idea of moral teaching or spiritual teaching, focus on the natural. And Confucianism, you know, growing up in the same period of time, from around 300 uh, before Christ, uh, uh, in that time, um, emphasizing the human and, and uh, uh, speaking out against people that just try to live naturally. So, you know, in, you know referencing the Taoist, but also saying in his main book, and Confucius Analects, his main book, saying, don't even think about life after death. Don't bother, don't waste your time to pray. It makes no difference. So, so not just to emphasize the human, which we love about Confucius, you know, do unto others or don't do unto others as you would not want them to do to you, the negative golden rule, um, but suppressing our, uh prayer or, or thought of life after death, uh, denying uh, the natural part of the self, and, uh, and just a disaster. You know, in, in part, I think, because of the teaching of Scripture is always multi-level, such as this uh, text that we're looking at today. It's, it's uh, affirming the supernatural, affirming the relational, affirming the natural, the uh, greatness of God's creation. So um, here, uh, you know, we take off the blinders. Let's look at these three uh, levels. And uh, all three levels are in uh, the Spirit's workspace. They're in uh, Romans 8. And the shift, there's a shift, smooth shifting from one level to another. Uh, but uh, uh, generally, if you see uh, verses 12 through 18, you're taking steps through the physical relational, and supernatural. And then starting again in 19 through 30, the same steps again. So kind of if you didn't get it the first time, uh, here it is again with slightly different words. Does this sound good? All right. So uh, the fullness of the Spirit uh, that uh, uh, we affirm the whole workspace of the Spirit on all levels is uh, needed. So this is a kind of checkoff uh, time this morning during the message. Think through how are ways that, that your own attentiveness to the Spirit in the flesh, in your body, in nature, uh, how your attentiveness to the Spirit in human relationships, in our family relationships or work or friendships or neighborhoods, and how, our, how we could be more open and attentive to the Spirit's relationship to us in, in miracle, in giving glory to the human life, the divine glory that God uh, has poured into what it means to be human and shall even more in the future. So first, paying attention to the physical level. Are you ready? Therefore, our brothers and sisters, uh, talking about that life in the spirit is the, is the standard, he then says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh 
to live according to it. Uh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. So we live in the flesh. We're grateful for the flesh. God made the flesh. So let's not demean the flesh. The flesh is a, a great gift. Chocolate is one of the best proofs of God's existence <laughs> and his love for us. Uh, and all the other pleasures that he's uh, built into life. The question is always, how do we use these gifts? But, but there's nothing evil uh, with the flesh. But it is evil to let the flesh dictate our lives. Let our hormones or let our, our stomachs uh, uh, control our behavior. We're already in a mess then. And, uh, and we will die. I mean, all, all the bad things that the uh, flesh is trying to draw us to do, all those bad things uh, lead to death and are not pretty. But uh, by the Spirit, uh, you have to put to death the misdeeds of the body, and then you will live. For uh, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Isn't that beautiful? We're led by the Spirit of God. We are the children of God. Of course, that was the plan from the beginning, that we are, we are in God's image. He's our Father. One of the nicest things to say to anybody is to say, hey, you resemble your Father, your Father in heaven. You resemble your Father by your kindness, by your patience. You resemble your Father by your brilliance. You resemble your Father in heaven by your generosity. Isn't that the nicest compliment you can give someone? I'm always puzzled when uh, there's a new baby in the family. Everyone wants to say, oh, he's got his mother's eyes and his dad's nose. And I'm thinking, but it's the baby. Let's focus on the baby, not attribute all these. But yet there is a place for that. But even more importantly, more strategically, let's affirm the, the father's attributes when we see them in one another and be open about it. Now, maybe you feel embarrassed saying it. Well, practice in front of a mirror then. Do something. Let's get past our hesitancy to give glory to God by encouraging and praising one another. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, but uh, to, live, to live in fear again. Not to be slaves, to live in fear again. So here's uh, kind of a summary of what I see in those few verses on uh, the flesh. So let's uh, read this out loud, if you would. All right? Join with me. Physical. Agree to the Spirit's gifts of life and liberation, freeing you from the misdeeds of the body. Amen? Okay. The second, well, pay attention to uh, human relations. Uh, rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption into the family. And by the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father. So let's do it. By the Spirit we cry, Abba, Amen. Because he is, of course, Abba is just uh, Hebrew for Daddy. So call him Daddy too. All right. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So we're welcome to the family as as part of God's family on earth. And the church is a beautiful, empowering uh, 
uh, model, example, uh, exemplar of what that family is and can be. So let me share with you a, a testimony about um, a student uh, uh, in a desperate prayer found the Spirit's answer. All right? And that student happens to be me. So uh, a word, uh, I back a, a few years ago, when I was in my senior year in college, just a few years ago, seems like yesterday, but, you know, I was, I was, a, I was a very good student. I was on the, on the honor roll uh, every semester, but when I, in the beginning of the senior year, I was kind of already thinking past college. I got involved in a ministry, a national ministry. I was appointed to the governing board. It was all young people about my age or a little older. Uh, for this national ministry, it was, it was under the authority of an adult uh, ministry, a very large adult uh, national ministry. And we started uh, thinking through how to express the gospel uh, relevant to young people our age with new issues, kind of the old issues, but new clothing to those issues, new framework. And uh, I was just excited about what we were doing because it's the same gospel, but it, it, it has to be told in, in fresh ways, in creative ways. And I was excited to be part of this. So I put a lot of time into it on the phone, uh, you know, mailing stuff back and forth. This is a little bit before email or texting. But, uh, you know, and I had those assignments, those pesky assignments from all my uh, senior college courses. But, you know, they were all due at the end of the semester, right? So time after time, I put off doing those readings, uh, not really uh, keeping up with what I should have been doing. And back in that day, at least in the college I was part of, in most colleges, you finished the fall term the first couple of weeks of January. So we got that uh, lovely Christmas break, and so we got the, the board from all over the country together. I think it was in a city in Texas, and, and um, all excited, all optimistic, and, and it hit the fan. It was just terrible. The so-called adult organization canceled, destroyed everything that we had done. Everything. And I was even sitting next to the chairman of the, the so-called adult group uh, at the meeting. It went on for hours, and just one thing after the other, picking away at what we had done, and just missing the point, totally missing the point. Adults can be so frustrating. So, so now I come back home, and it just hits me. Not only do I don't have my work done, I've got to write four term papers that week when I got home. I had to write four term papers, allowing myself the next week, as classes just went for a week then before exams, to, to read all the stuff I was supposed to have been reading all semester and to do well on the exam, or else it's all going to come crashing down and I would lose the whole semester and lose my... Excellent. Great point of average. Now, I was not just frustrated. I was not just exhausted. I was not just stressed out. I was angry. I was still angry when I came home. I was spitting angry. 
terrified. I got on my knees. And I said, Lord, I think it's all over. I think I've wasted all these months. But please, if you could help me. Now, I didn't feel any goosebumps. No electric charges. But I felt I had said the prayer I had to say. Got up, packed up some books, headed off to the library. As soon as I got to the library, I realized nobody else was there. So I could take over a whole table at the library. Started laying out some ideas. And, and a librarian came over to me and within the first three minutes I was there. She said, look, I'm so bored. Nothing's going on. Can I help you? I said, well, i got to write four term papers by, by Saturday evening. She said, well, what's the first one? So I said, here's kind of what I'm thinking about. Oh, she said, that's interesting. Let me go to the stack, see what I can find. So she was running errands to the stacks, finding, probably doing a better job than I would have done, finding great books. And um, so I was laying out. And by the end of Monday, by the end of Monday, I was uh, about two-thirds done with the first paper and feeling good about it. Not just ideas, but on paper. And uh, just without dragging it out, by Saturday night, I had written all four papers. 18, 16, 17, 18 pages long each one. Double space, uh, 12 point type. And, uh, and as I was preparing the, the title pages, I, I thought, you know, I really should put author the Holy Spirit. But I don't think my professors would understand, so... I asked God's forgiveness, and I put my name down. Uh, so, and then I crammed. I, you know how when you read, your brain gets just gummed up? Uh, but it didn't happen that next week. I really read all the assigned material and loved it and remembered it. And so I ended up actually acing all the courses. And the nicest compliment I've ever received on a paper done, two professors said, your term paper was not just an A, it was a model term paper. Can I have a copy that I could put in the file to show future students what a model term paper looks like? Isn't that amazing? So all glory to the Holy Spirit and how he used that wonderful librarian and, uh, and focused my mind. But... You know, again, I didn't feel any special charges. I just knew. I just trusted what uh, James says. If you lack wisdom, ask the Spirit and then trust Him. That's what I did. All right? And the results were amazing. Uh, by the way, uh, already at that time, I'd had lots of friends who had spoken in tongues and insisted I needed to be baptized in the Spirit. and I had not spoken in tongues. They even encouraged me, finally, out of frustration. They'd be praying over me, and nothing strange came out of my mouth. So they said, just say gibberish, so we'll call it uh, speaking in tongues. And I said, no, look, guys, I believe the Spirit is helping me, so I'm good. Uh, don't worry about it. But you know, relatives and friends were... were constantly raised, and sometimes even raised the question, I was really saved, but I hadn't spoken in tongues. So one night, I, uh, just a couple of years after this experience I just shared, I, I was uh, praying 
and I'm about this, and I uh, went to sleep first thing in the morning. No one else is in the room. First thing in the morning, I hear a voice that says, Paul, what I did for you in the library a couple years ago, that was your baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I thought, wow, that's the Lord himself, right? So I told all my friends and all my relatives, I'm baptized in the Spirit. And of course, they want to hear about it. So I tell them. They were kind of disappointed that the Spirit knew what they wanted him to do. But he did what he had to do to, to help me and empower me. So, I, you know, the Spirit, the beautiful thing about the Spirit is he is, he is very resourceful and can you know, immerse you in his presence, baptize you in a lot of different ways. So affirm the Spirit's presence and his work in you. Um, so on the relational level, let's read this uh, together. Behave and believe as restored children of God in love with Abba, the Son, and His Spirit. And third, paying attention to the supernatural level. Uh, now, if uh, we are children, then heirs. Think of this. Heirs in the divine family. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. Yeah, and I think it both have to be there. We're sharing in his suffering, partly maybe relating to the brothers and sisters in so many countries that are being persecuted uh, through policies, direct policies of governments. In 151 countries, Christians are persecuted. 90% of religious persecution in the world is against our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Now, we care about anti-Semitism, care about people that hate Muslims or whatever, and, and care about our Muslim neighbors. However, let's not cease to pray for our brothers and sisters that are persecuted in so many parts of the world. As we share in that suffering, we share also in, in the glory of God. You know, isn't that supernatural? To not just have a, you know, moments of glory, uh, but to share in in God's own glory. I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And I don't think that's just in the street by and by. Uh, even as we grow in the Lord, and as we mature in the Lord, as we're more affirming, more sensitive to the Spirit, as we're focusing on especially now, and, and more engaged in obedience to the Spirit. So, here's a summary statement for our supernatural ministry from the Spirit. Together, say yes to the Spirit for His full miracle work in your body, soul, and spirit. Now back to the physical level. And this is, I think, one of my favorite verses uh, in this chapter. Uh, I have a, quite a few favorite verses in Romans 8, but this is definitely one. Let's say this together. The creation eagerly waits in earnest expectation for God to reveal who his children really are. Now, I don't know if you, uh, anyone here like walking or running on the North County path? Oh, good, quite a few. We may have run into each other occasionally. Uh, usually it's early morning or uh, uh, evening, but it's a wonderful place. 
And what I love about it is, is you have squirrels watching you or rabbits watching you. One of my nicest experiences, I was running along, and a rabbit jumped in front of the path about 10, 12 feet ahead of me. And going so slow for a rabbit, going my top speed, but slow for a rabbit, all right? And, and about every 20 seconds, he would look back just to see that I was following him. I thought, this is precious. Uh, so I just kept riding. He kept looking back for about five minutes. He was very patient with me. And then finally he looked back, and then just, boom, he was running like a rabbit. And uh, he was gone in a few seconds. But, but it's those, those are reminders that creation is not just, uh, you know, uh, protoplasm. It's not uh, just uh, uh, organic material, various kinds of organic material in motion. But, but God is building. God's spirit is present in all of creation. And when those squirrels watch you, I think uh, maybe in part they're doing what this verse says. Creation is eagerly waiting, eagerly waiting in earnest expectation for God to reveal who his children really are. How well are we respecting God's nature, enjoying God's nature, enjoying his estate? Now, I pay tax, Vicki and I pay taxes on our house, but it's still, we're only stewards of what. God owns, and, um, and and with all, and, you know, going to the park, uh, enjoying our uh, the, the beauties, the wonderful things about God's creation, and, you know, I've had experiences of God's presence on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, too, because uh, uh, even there, it's the products, uh, people, uh, the most precious part of God's creation, people by the tens of thousands, and at the same time, uh, products that by their hands, by people's hands, have been built these giant buildings and, and uh, merchandise being sold. Uh, for creation was subjected to frustration. And the Greek word I put there, mataiotes, uh, uh, worthlessness, is more literal translation of that word. Uh, the translators here with NIV thought frustration was a lovely uh, word, but another word for that would be pollution. Creation was subjected to pollution, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Now, I, uh, I think he's talking about uh, our earliest ancestors who uh, uh, brought re- rebellion into uh, creation, and all of creation has suffered from our uh, rebellious attitudes and um, failure to honor and, and obey and give thanks to the Creator. And then the very next verse, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. And there the word is uh, Thora. Thora. Not a, no L in there. Not like uh, flowers. But uh, Thora. And that word is depletion, means decay or depletion. So you see, even in Romans 8, long time ago, there was an awareness that human misbehavior leads to pollution and depletion of God's creation. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, Apostle Paul founded the Sierra Club. But 
there is clearly a deep awareness of our responsibility to God's creation. You go back to verse 19. Creation itself is watching in eager expectation to see God reveal who his true children are. And we can help reveal that by our own good care of uh, God's creation. You know, I've, I've been to a lot of places where, hey, uh, climate change, we've got to uh, change all this. Uh, first of all, it doesn't mean destroying the economy because then who's going to pay for all the re- remediation and, uh, and uh, charity we need if, as the, there are disasters? So, it, so forget the socialist approach. It's just not sensible. It doesn't add up. But more importantly, we have the joy and opportunity and obligation to take good care of creation climate change or not. That predates, that responsibility way predates any climatologist. And if anyone wants to know how to find it, look at Genesis 1, verse 28, 29, 30. A clear statement of our uh, responsibilities as good stewards. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So that we know Creation is in distress. And is it time to recognize creation care as a deeply spiritual issue? Not to take away from the climate change issues, but deeper yet is the spiritual responsibility we have to the Creator, who happens also to be our heavenly Abba, our heavenly Dada, Daddy. Uh, so on the physical level again, let's read this. Agree to the Spirit's gifts of life and liberation, freeing you from the misdeeds of the body. And back now to the relational. Not only so, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we await for the adoption into the family, the redemption of our bodies. So it's still the emphasis on family. Yes, the bodies are important, so the physical is emphasized here too. Uh, and the family is the family of God, so the supernatural is mentioned. But that family idea to really grow more and more that church is family, neighborhood is family, that um, the, the children in broken schools are our children too, our, our family. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all, but hopes for what uh, they already have. But If we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. And the relational, let's read this together. Behave and believe as restored child of God in love with Abba, the Son, and His Spirit. And then the supernatural level to complete our rereading here of uh, these verses. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't even know how we ought to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Groans, sometimes we think of as less than words. Sometimes they're a lot more than words that just express from ourselves and the Spirit also. He intercedes beyond words. Uh, And... uh, He who searches our hearts knows that the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. 
So trust the Spirit as you pray. Spend some silent time just releasing your unspoken thoughts, unspeakable thoughts, into the Spirit to then intercede uh, to us uh, for God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Abba God, uh, the Son, and the Spirit. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know, the model of that is Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. That is God's template for history. And we're going to celebrate in a special way in a, less than a couple months. Uh, but think of that as not a unique event, but the way God works. When you have a, something that feels a little like a Good Friday experience, when you, your spirit says, God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I in this mess? Maybe not your responsibility mess, or maybe partly your responsibility mess, but a mess nevertheless. And, and to realize that as you say those words, you're in good company. The, the Lord Jesus is with you in those words. And you can pray for and work for and trust God for uh, a resurrection, a life-giving moment. Uh, for you. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Notice the image of his son. We represent his son so that we can intercede for others. We are the image of the son. Image of God in Genesis 1. Image of uh, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, And therefore we can pray for others, intercede for them, but also represent God and his grace and his will his forgiveness, and his justice, and his accountability wherever we are. Because we are the image of God. We represent God. We are his children. We have men of God in the room. We have women of God in the room. We have the sons of God and the daughters of God because we are the image of God. Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters in the family of God. And finally, um, let's read this together. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Notice it's past tense. Not just will glorify, but receive God's glory. Shine his glory in love, in forgiveness, in, in joy, in obedience to God, in representing God's standards of justice and fairness. So say yes to the Spirit for his full miracle work in your body, soul, and spirit. So we've covered three dimensions, three levels of the Spirit's workspace. Uh, The Spirit moves from one to another real easily or does all three at once. But I think it's helpful for us to have a checklist because we might have had a block on the Spirit's work in our bodies. We might have had a block in the Spirit's work on our relationships, our, our soul. We may have had a block on the Spirit's work in our spirit. Uh, but the Spirit desires to be uh, taking all, every dimension, every part of we who are His temple, the Spirit's temple. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our, uh, we are His temple on uh, two legs. 
So let's enthusiastically welcome the Spirit in all the levels of his workspace, the physical, the human relational, and the supernatural. And together, let us choose biblical, enhanced sensitivity and engagement with the Spirit. A brief summary, again, of those three points. I have a printout of those for anyone that would like one uh, to take with you. Uh, to remind yourself of these three areas, that in each area the Spirit can, it can do marvelous um, helping, healing, restoring, uh, and to be sensitive to the Spirit in our bodies when you hug that tree. Be sensitive to the Spirit. When you take that walk on a busy street or walk in the woods, be sensitive to the Spirit when, when family relations are stressed, are polluted, are just too complicated. Uh, I'm afraid probably we all know what that means, right? I don't have to tell you any of our stories. And be sensitive to the Spirit in the miracle work that's needed to lift us and empower us beyond our human strength and ability, way beyond, uh, and, and then rejoice in the Spirit's presence in our bodies in our souls, and in our spirits. So let us choose biblical enhanced sensitivity and engagement with the Spirit. And everybody said? So uh, let's pray. Great God, we just thank you that we can walk with you on earth, that we can uh, feel your presence in our bodies. We can affirm uh, your life and your liberation. Thank you, Lord, that we can uh, see and, and, and be part of your healing of relationships in our families or work or neighborhoods or friendships, that, that your presence transforms. And we praise you, praise you, Lord, for the miracle work of the Spirit. Lord, fill us, we pray. Just fill us. Fill us to overflowing with your amazing presence. As we sang several songs on that same theme earlier today, Lord, we mean it. We submit ourselves to your awesome power and presence. May your very spirit fill us like he filled that shaped dirt so many years ago and to restore us to what you desire in your children, in your daughter's and your son from all ages, including the children that are here and young people and young adults and, and uh, all of us, Lord. Oh, teach us to open all the parts, body, soul, and spirit, and to welcome the fullness of your spirit, to be thoroughly baptized, immersed in your awesome Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.